Hello, folks. This is Joe Public. You're listening to the Public Record here on Radio Nope. It's Tuesday night. I'm winging things what should not be wong yet once again. You know, because that's how it goes. Because that's uh, that's how I roll, basically. So, um, what's the plan? Well, what's the plan, folks? The plan is to play some music. Um, I was, uh, I don't know, it was weird. Had this um, interesting conversation, um, like weird work conversation earlier today. And for some reason that made me think of this song. So I decided that's what I'm going to, I'm going to start off with. And this is, um, Deep Purple, you should know.
And that is James Gang here on the Public Record Radio Nope with Cruising Down the Highway from the Miami album. What the heck did that? What was going on with that set, Joe? What was going on? I'm dropping things here, but like just spilled like a pile of stuff. It's not liquid stuff or food stuff. Or I just like I use the word spill liberally, eh, liberally. Like if I dropped a bunch of towels I was carrying, I would say I, would, I spilled the towels. It's sort of weird but anyway i like spilled business cards I had business cards for work here on my desk and uh, i spilled them on the floor just as i was trying to get the mic turned on because yay <laughs> i'm out of practice i was not on the air last week um because um i've been dealing the last oh like four or five months with periodic computer issues um had an older uh, MacBook that was MacBook Pro that was was a it was a trooper. It had uh, put up with a lot. <laughs> Let me say it put up with a lot from me, and um, it had finally reached the point where the USB ports were starting to flake out. Like they would just say, "Nope, I'm not connected to anything." And um, one of the fun ways that manifested itself was when I would be doing this show and I have, I'm like more than one monitor because I'm old and blind and I need to juggle stuff. And I am, you know, just, just, yeah. Anyway, I have multiple monitors, multiple screens that I look at. And what would happen is I would be like, it, it would, in, in invariably like right before I'm about to go on the mic or, or right before I need to do a transition, like one of my screens or both of my screens would just go black, my extra screens. And I'd just be like, okay, uh-huh, please come back. Yeah. Um, and it had started to happen more and more frequently. And, and I just realized, you know, I have a job, so probably should, uh, it was time to do an upgrade. So I got myself a brand new um, M1 MacBook Pro. It's pretty sweet, right? I mean, so far, I'm a knock-on particle board. I am very happy. It does uh, it does the job. And I've noticed a couple of things that are really cool. Um, like on my old machine, uh, and this is total audio geek thing, my old machine, the audio interface had a lot of lag between its communication to my computer back and forth. Um, fortunately, the interface has this neat little toggle switch. I can like push a button and I can monitor what's, um, what's going to the microphone, like just directly from the interface. I don't actually have to wait for the signal to come back from the computer to the interface. Um, you know, microphone in and back to the computer and back to the interface, the headphones. I don't have to wait for that. Um, but the cool thing is this new machine is so efficient and so powerful that uh, I don't have to do that. I actually have no latency between my interface and uh, and my headphones. And so that's cool. So that's, that's super neat. Nerd things that are neat. But so I like set everything up. So last week basically it was just like, okay, if, if I try and make this poor janky old computer that I have um, actually make it through a show. It's probably going to blow up on me and and I need to get rid of it. And I had ordered a new machine and it did not arrive. The new machine did not arrive in time for me to get it all set up for last week's show. So I had to 
have have a rerun. Um, and then because I'm a fool, um, I worked really late today. I worked until like five forty-five my time, and um, that was not cool because oh wait, I have a show to do. Um, so I'm trying to prep for the show. I'm trying to get everything set up, and I'm like, oh my god, I haven't tested the software that I use to connect to do this. And lo and behold, I uh, like I six o'clock. I open it up. Oh crap whole bunch of updates that I got to run and I got to do a whole bunch of like tweaks in the background to make sure that my Mac will allow it to run and all this kind of stuff. Like I had to do like four restarts and oh my Lord, I'm sitting there going, no curses you person who knows better than this and then didn't do that. Anyway, where was I going with? Oh, so why did I play the, the like weird, obscure James Gang song? Okay, so that whole set had something to do with Deep Purple. <laughs> so Tommy Boland was the guitar player who replaced Joe Walsh in the James Gang, and that song, Cruising Down the Highway, was from their Miami album, which is the album he made with the James Gang basically after he'd already agreed to quit and go be in Deep Purple. So he replaced Richie Blackmore in Deep Purple when Richie Blackmore bailed and this is the circuitous thing. The first song I played in the set, Stormbringer, Deep Purple. That's like that was the album that was the last straw for Richie Blackmore with Deep Purple because he was not he did not abide the funk. Um you know, and it's funny, that's a really good album. There's a lot of great songs on Stormbringer, but um it's uh you can totally see that it's it's not it's not the kind of thing Richie Blackmore was going to be into. He he wanted a heavier, more rock and roll kind of thing, and it, it was just too uh, too groovy for him. So he left. Um, so and was replaced by Tommy Bolin, who was in the James King. The last song he did, song before the Tommy, well, the James King song was from Captain Beyond, a song called "Dancing Madly Backwards," which Captain Beyond is the band that the original singer in Deep Purple started. <laughs> after he was kicked out um, by Richie Blackmore and John Lord because they just didn't they didn't think he had it. Um, and then Dixie Dregs, before Captain Beyond, featuring Steve Morse, who is the current guitar player in Deep Purple. See how I, I just weave this tapestry together for you and you are now stupidly smarter than you were. Not really smarter. You, you're you're less musically ignorant than you may have been, and maybe you knew all this stuff. And I'm just assuming you don't. But whatever. For all intents and purposes, I'm sitting here talking to myself. So you know, whatever. I'm Joe Public talking to himself on uh, the public record on Radio Nope. <sighs> Shut up and play some more music, bud. Uh yeah. This is uh, Jim Carroll Band. <laughs> The gravity heals Just sick for revenge Grab the blood. 
That's some frenzied drumming there at the end of that song. That's Liars with Help You In. Before that, the Soft Boys did Kingdom of Love. And and I hear that song and I think, wow. That's a song I need to make a note. Whenever somebody's talking to me about, well, you know, why do people complain about everything being so processed and compressed in contemporary music? And I'm like, I want to play them that song which has got dynamics all over the place. Like it got quiet bits and loud bits and like very dramatically quiet to loud kind of thing going on. And, you know, those are, that's called dynamics and it creates an emotional content to the music and, you know, power and gets you involved in it as opposed to everything just being the same volume, just squished, which is basically contemporary music. Um, before that cars with double life, um, and uh, speaking of, uh, of of engineer tricks, um, Roy Thomas Baker, who produced that record and produced lots of like huge hits in the mid to late seventies for Journey, Foreigner, um, uh, Queen, most famously, um, he produced that record, and he's got some quirks of of production, and one of the things. One of the the obvious one is that he loved doing layered vocal harmonies, and so pretty much any record anybody hired Roy Thomas Baker to do their record, they were going to get layered vocal harmonies, whether they wanted them or not. Um, but the other thing, the lesser known thing that you will hear on every record that the the dude worked on, is a very very quirkily mixed drum kit. So normally, what you hear. Most engineers, what they'll do is they kind of have the kick, the boom, boom, and the snare, the snap, kick and the snap way out front. Those, those are mixed louder than any other part of the drum kit. Then they sort of have the um, hi-hat a little, the is a little behind that. And those are sort of the three parts they build their mix of a, of a drum kit from. And then they'll, over the top of that, they'll, for the sparkly bits, they'll have the overhead mics for the cymbals to catch the, you know, the ting, ting, ting stuff, right? And then if there's uh, rack tom, floor toms, the do, 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 you know, those will be mixed in, but not as loudly and not as up in your face as the kick and the snare not roy thomas baker basically drum kit everything all the drums are the same volume and so what you will hear whether it's roger taylor and queen or um david robinson and the cars um you'll hear a drum fill and it's a little jarring because the the toms are way out front and they're not just way out front there. They tend, he tended to mix them very distorted. So with a lot of, um, like crunch to them and then also very compressed. So they're, they're just big and in your face and blammo. Um, and I like, I like it better on the, on, on the, the cars records he produced than I do say, um, the journey records he did where I think it kind of sounds weird. And, um, I think it sounds really, really cool with Roger Taylor and queen most of the time, sometimes not. So anyway, 
there you go. Weird little lesson about Roy Thomas Baker. Before that, Cars track, uh, Jim Carroll Band did Wicked Gravity. Um, yeah, there you go. That That's what's happening. I'm Joe Public. You're listening to the Public Record here on Radio Note. Um, you know what's funny? Okay, I've queued this song up to play. Like, I've, I've, I've scrolled through playlists and stuff like that. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to play this song on my radio show. And then when I go to add it, um, the system I use to like load music will just say, nope, it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. And so I go, okay, I move on. Cause I'm not going to just, I'm not going to fight with, I don't, I don't fight with software. You know, it's like it works or it doesn't. Um, if it's important, I'll try and figure out how to make it work. If it's not that important, I'll just move on and play something else. There's a gazillion songs. It's fine. But this time it worked. Ha. So you get this very cool version of this old Buffalo Springfield song uh, as re-recorded by Neil Young. And I'm not a big Neil Young fan, um, but I dig this album. So there you go. A little techno Neil.
And that's the answer to the uh, Jeopardy question, the the four hundred dollar question. Um, what is a song written by a bass player? Sound like? <laughs> ah, uh, but I love it, and that's why I love it. Uh, that's Jaw Wobble with Invaders of the Heart, the decade disco mix. Uh, I had I had to play that after I played Public Image Limited. Which was, in fact, Jaw Wobble's band before he had the epic falling out that he had with John Lydon um, and then Keith Levine and uh, every, I mean, just public the band that be, that started off as Public Image Limited rapidly unraveled and just became uh, whoever John Lydon could find to be in it. And th- and then they, they did actually, um, recently they, they've sort of had, and by recently, I mean like the last 15 years or so, it's, it's been a very consistent lineup and they all seem to genuinely like each other. So, you know, that's, that's not, um, typical for anybody who has to work with him. And before that, Mr. Soul by Neil Young, like I said at the top, uh, before I, in- uh, uh, before I bleh, queued that up, that's originally a Buffalo Springfield song. Of course, Neil Young was in Buffalo Springfield, and he covered it for his Trans album. And the Trans album was um, the first record that he delivered to, or that that was released by Geffen Records. So Neil Young leaves Reprise Records, which is had been his label as a solo artist, like through through his whole solo career, all the way up until like 1980. Uh, his contract ran out, so he signs with the the new Geffen Records, um, because David Geffen had been part of the management team that managed Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. So he sort of trusts the guy, and also he very, 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 very specifically wanted a record contract where he had total artistic control over the music. Now, anybody who's followed Neil Young probably thinks. Um, Anyone who agrees to giving him total artistic control probably either has not been paying attention or doesn't care if any of the records sell at all because um, Neil is a quirky, odd, uh, strange dude. And so he delivers this trans record, which he originally had started recording with um, Crazy Horse, his band Crazy Horse. Well, and then... Like he's playing around with, he's got a, a sequencer and he's got a vocoder and he's playing around with them in the studio and he's playing around with the drum machines. And the next thing you know, like the guys in Crazy Horse find out that he's just erased all of their backing tracks and he's overdubbed all this electronic stuff and he delivers the record to Geffen. And <laughs> David Geffen goes, hmm. Uh, over it and then he delivers another record which is kind of weird you know tropical jimmy buffety vibe kind of stuff and so geffen sues him he sues him for um deliberately delivering uncommercial and unquote uncharacteristic records to the label in violation of his contract neil young countersues this goes on for years they they finally settle they 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 dismiss every, you know every everybody 
drops their cases. David Geffen personally apologizes to Neil Young because I guess somebody pulled David Geffen aside and aside and said, "Bud." You gave Neil Young a contract that said he had full artistic control. Did you expect him to deliver a bunch of records that sounded like the records that he did for Reprise that made him angry because of what Reprise made him record or how they made him record them? And so he was like, oh, yeah, got to let Neil be Neil. They, they make amends, and Neil Young continues for, you know, another gazillion decades to make records that only true Neil Young fans like, but I love Trance. I love that record because it's so weird. And then I was like, what inspired him to make such a weird record? And then I read the story about how um, all of the songwriting, the, the songs on that record are very, very repetitive. Um, and, and his songs tend to be pretty repetitive anyway, but the, but the songs on that record are very repetitive. They're almost mechanically repetitive. And he was he was working with his son Ben, who had cerebral palsy, and he was working through this extensive therapy thing, where they were trying to teach him how to communicate, trying to you know make him have some kind of a decent life, and and also you know show him love, and so the process of the therapy involved a lot of repetition 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 saying the same things over and over and over again in a very even tone of voice and um i just thought it was really amazing that you know he came out of that therapy and then it, it influenced his creativity and his style in making um that record and it made me like the record even more because then it's it's no longer just this, you know. I I grew up thinking, oh, he made that record to like give the finger to the record business, and it wasn't that at all. It's just you know what he was hearing in his head and what he was feeling in his heart was like, you know, all of the stuff related to his kid. And I I thought that was awesome. Um, like I've said many times, I don't I don't love Neil Young, but I don't dislike him, and I'm often find stuff music that he's done that that I I truly dig. So there you go. I'm Joe Public. You're listening to the Public Record here on Radio Now. I'm gonna get back into the music thing. I've had this re- I've had this song sitting in my queue to play on a show for like two months. So I'm gonna do it. So there you go. You had an ounce hidden. You 
say who you was a genius, but you're not in boy.
Well, all right, you squares, it's time you smoke. Fire up this funk and let's have a toke. It'll make you dance with some of everything. Go! 
You can't go wrong with Confunction. You just, you, you actually can't. So that was Confunction with Ms. Got the Body. I like the, like, the timeliness of, uh, or the, 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 the historical context of the song. It's not Miss Got the Body. It's Ms. Got the Body. It's very cool. It's very cool. If you're a child of the 70s, as I am, you get it, right? You get it. Before that, Rick James was busting out on funk, proving once again that, uh, you know, he wasn't just capable of uh, mainlining giant piles of drugs through his nose. Um, he's a great bass player. That's because that's from one of his records before he'd really really made it um when he still was you know working pretty consistently as one of the guys in the motown uh studio stable um you know motown motown was based in in detroit obviously it was motown records right motown motor city motown got it It was came from detroit um and the original uh crew of musicians that played on every record were all based in Detroit. And so in um, late 1960s, uh, Barry Gordy owns Motown, decides he needs to move the whole operation to Los Angeles. So when he did that, a lot of the musicians said, okay, bye. Um, And so that stable of musicians that had been playing on their records since the early 1960s... um, was gone and they had to build it all over again actually they built it parallel because they established motown in la before they shut everything down in detroit um but rick james was one of the dudes so where does rick james comes from he comes from being one of the guys who gets the okay you're gonna do that thing that james jamerson one of the greatest bass players in the history of bass playing uh has been doing for nearly a decade you're gonna just do that um so that's where he comes from. So, yeah, to anybody who says, you know, Rick James did not have chops, he had chops. He just got way more interested in being a front man um, and less interested in playing the bass. Um, and you can't blame him. I mean, you know, I'm a bass player. Nobody pays any attention to me. Um, <laughs> before that, the Barquets with Too Hot to Stop, part one, and Mandrill. I love Mandrill. And the... the the cover of the record's got the face of a mandrill. And if you don't know what a mandrill is, go, you know, Google it or duck it or, you know, if you use Ask Jeeves or whatever. Go look it up. Search it out. Figure it out. It's amazing. It's an incredible, like, colorful and terrifying-looking uh, ape creature. And there's this band from the 70s called Mandrill, and that was their song, Living It Up. And that's that's great. It's great stuff. I'm Joe Public. You're listening to The Public Record here on Radio Nope. Um, ah, yeah. So it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. My, um, I had friends that, like, you know, introduced me to music back when I used to pay way more attention to new music. Some friends introduced me to all this stuff that was coming out of, oddly enough, Detroit and Chicago in the 90s, late 90s. Um, that was really cool. That was really cool stuff. And it's that's the whole scene that Jack White, the White Stripes comes out of originally. And, and their 
there's just so much good music that came out of there. And this band that I'm about to play, they had um, their record kind of caused a stir because somebody created a music video um, for one of the songs using clips of the infamous uh, press conference with George W. Bush and Tony Blair where they were talking about going to war in Iraq and um, side by side. And they used the lyrics of the song uh, to imply that there was a different sort of relationship going on between the two men. And it was super funny. And um, the rest of the albums were really good too. And, and, and it's a lot of fun and it's it's a it's a cool record. Um, and I'm not going to play the song that was on the video clip um i will simply say that it, it, it became my daughter's favorite song at a very young age at an age in which she was far too young for this to be her favorite song and i'll leave it at that um it's one of those things of cps is coming to get me kind of deals but anyway this is a different song from that same album and uh this is a band called the electric six
We're all wearing jackets. So profound. Such profound lyrics. <laughs> that is Shallow Gravy. Um, that's a song. If, if you don't know the Venture Brothers, you, you don't know where the heck that came from, but that's where that came from. And I, 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 uh, I was working on a, a project, music project with some friends and, um, the title of one of the songs that we were working on, it had a working title and we we're working on the song and singer put lyrics to it. And he said, the song's now called shallow grave. And, I had to step away for a little bit from working on this project because I couldn't stop thinking about Shallow Gravy and Jacket. (laughs) Before that, Shadowy Men from a Shadowy Planet, Having an Average Weekend is the name of that song. And mostly you probably know that if you know it at all from uh, being the, the title tune over the main titles for the kids in the hall, um, which I hear, I hear that they are reuniting and making new episodes, which got me really excited. Um, there's, there's few things that I laughed harder at, um, in the 1990s than kids in the hall. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Um, if you haven't watched, go find it because, you will be so grateful. Take that Take that one bit of advice from me, from your buddy Joe. Go watch Kids in the Hall. I wonder if you can stream that. Like, I have, I have the whole series on DVD. That's how much of a fan I was. Um, I have the whole series. But I wonder if you can stream it anywhere. Because that's how lazy I am. I own it, and I want to know if there's an easy way for me to get to Kids in the Hall episodes. So I'm going to have to look that up. Anyway, before that, The Hives with Main Offender, The Von Bondies with Come On, Come On. Another thing that you probably know from TV, if if you watched um, Rescue Me, that was the title tune for that. Back when TV shows had title music, right? Remember that? And Electric Six with Danger High Voltage started us off. I'm Joe Public. You're listening to The Public Record. I ain't got much more to do here, folks. And I got literally... Like, just a handful of songs to play, and then I'm out. I'm out for the week. Um, and I won't be live next week. Um, I'm actually traveling. Um, my plan is, over the weekend, I will record a new episode. So you don't have to get a rerun. My plan is to record an episode, and I know I don't usually do that. Um, I'll try and make that fun and interesting. Um, but, yeah, there you go. And then, I yeah, I got to go on the like the group chat for the... Uh, for Radio Nope so they can remind me how I do that. <laughs> how, do I, how do I record an episode for you guys to post it for me and play it? Because uh, I've been doing the live thing mostly, you know, because I like this. It's it's more fun for me. Um, it's a little more work and it's a little more stressful, but I, but it's more fun. It's more rewarding. So that's the way I'm doing it. But I'm not going to come back on mic. I'm just going to play out, play out music. That's what I want to do. Um, it's been fun. Thank you for tuning in. And, uh, I, I won't see you in real time next week, but you know, if you tune in, you will hear my, the dulcet tones of my voice. So there's that. This is Matthew Sweet.
open up the hollow and my walls come down I tell you it's a problem just when no one's around but then Draw my line.